Welcome to Fist of the South Side. My name is Chris, and this is my podcast on martial arts and self-defense. Today, I want to cover two strategies uh, that you would employ in self-defense, and these are not specific to a given style or a technique. They are just general strategies for whatever you are learning, kind of like folders to put them in. You know, like you have two basic categories, and whatever you're learning... You can think about, I'm going to apply it towards this, or I'm going to apply it towards this. And you need to think about when and where you'd use them. So, first, to reiterate this thing I tell everyone, which is, the point of self-defense is whatever makes you safer. That's our, our goal. That's our umbrella goal. So these two strategies exist underneath that. So the first strategy is stun and run. Your goal, stun the opponent, hopefully knock him down, and run away. You know, whoever the attacker is, you stun them, knock them down, and that buys you time to get away. This is an ideal situation as much as it can be said that there's an ideal situation where you actually had to apply force. Because stun and run techniques are easy to learn. These are things like basic striking, like palm strikes, hammer fists, um, elbows, knees, punches kicks, whatever whatever kind of basic striking thing to stun them, you know, throw something in their face, you throw your jacket over their head, and then you punch them, whatever, and you knocked them down, and now you run away. This is, you know, doesn't require a lot of skill to learn these things, doesn't require tons and tons of regular training to be able to do them okay, and if you knock them down and run away, you got away safely, and the damage you had to do was actually relatively minimal in most cases. Mostly, they may have a bruise. Someone may take a bad fall and get hurt worse, but for the most part, you're probably not going to do a ton of damage, and if it has to come to legal stuff, you at least did something that wasn't, like, lethal or, like, super ridiculous. You know, most part, they're like, well, you punched him and then you ran, so, I mean, at least we see your main goal was getting away. So, stun and run is ideal. However, there's many cases where you can't do that. If you have physical disabilities and you can't get away quickly, if you're in a place where there's no real way to get away easily, if there's multiple opponents, if the person used a weapon is pulled out a weapon, you may not, you know, they may come after you again with a weapon that's too much of a risk to take. They're targeting you personally, specifically, you know, like a stalker. Um, these are all situations where you may have to do more because you need to make sure they can't keep attacking you. In which case, we go to our second strategy, which is to do serious damage. Doing serious damage comes down to stopping the person from being able to attack you more. That is it. And that is mostly done by doing injury to bone, muscle, joints, uh, tendons and ligaments uh, in such a way that they are not capable of continuing to attack you, or if they try to continue to attack you, they're going to have a very hard time. So, for example, if you break someone's ankle, they are not going to be able to chase you. That is great, you know. But ankles are actually kind of hard to break. Um, they, they're well designed to take a lot of force. So it takes more training, it takes the right conditions, etc. Um, same thing for knocking people out. People do get knocked out, but it's not as easy as it looks in the movies. And you kind of have to know what you're doing, and you have to get lucky. Like, those two things have to happen together. So, knockouts are about luck, 
But if you know the right way to do a grapple, you can break someone's arm. That's not really about luck. You know, if you get in on time and you do it with speed and power, that, that arm's broken. If you have uh, certain weapons, you're very likely to, to cause the damage you want. You know, yeah, you may not be able to uh, break someone's arm, you know, or hit their back, you know, whatever area you're hitting. You hit the back of their hand with something that's solid, those bones in the back of the hand are not that strong. They're only so-so, and you, you break the hand, that person's not grabbing you with the hand anymore. If they're holding a weapon, they're not going to hold it with that hand anymore. It's done. So, doing serious damage requires more training, because the techniques are more complicated, and the targeting's more complicated, but it is the thing that will keep you safe under, the, under worse conditions, because the person's inability to keep hurting, hurting you is the main thing. And if they're using a weapon, you need them to not be able to use that weapon. If there's multiple opponents, you can't sit there and knock one guy down, try to deal with his other friend while he gets back up, and his third friend comes and gets you at the same time. You don't have time for that. So doing serious damage is the much more serious escalated situation. Requires more training. Also requires thinking both about you know the legal ramifications and, and the ethical ramifications for yourself of whether this is required. Um, I'm not going to tell you that, you know, you need to do a whole lot of deep thinking when the situation happens, but you may want to do some thinking ahead about what you're doing and what's going to work for you or not work for you. Um, I had a friend, his thing was that he always wore, he had like some steel toe, not steel toe boots, but steel toe sneakers that he had gotten. And, you know, he knew if, if it came to some drama, he would go ahead and kick someone in the shin real hard. And, you know, jack up their legs so that they can't chase him and he can get away. And, uh, you know, that's a thing. The reason most uh, steel toe footwear has been banned um, or is considered assault with a deadly weapon is because people would kick each other in the head. You know, like after they knock them down, they kick them in the head and it would kill people. So, you know, there's both a legal and ethical thing you have to consider there, right? Like, is this is this something that someone might die and you'd be like shit, I have to defend this, or I have to live with this. And uh, that's something you, you'll you want to think about before you just do any technique. Like, the style I study Penjaxilot, um, there's a lot of techniques that basically end with breaking someone's neck. But there's going to be very few situations I would say, yeah, okay, this is one where breaking someone's neck had to happen, right? Like, mass shooter? Yeah, okay, I might break, you know, like, that might be necessary because this person's killing everyone. Um, you know, random person tries to get my wallet. I don't care. Take my wallet. Whatever. You know, someone, someone's being drunk and ridiculous. It's not worth doing it, you know? So the techniques you're learning, you have to decide where they are on the scale and when you'd employ them. But it's also important to know what the, where they fit in those two strategies and when and where you're going to use them. And some people, you know, like I said, if you have a lot of physical conditions, you may not be able to get away with stun and run. Some of those people, I might just give them stun in or you know, I might give them a couple stun tactics just to be able to get up to where they can do serious damage so then they can then get away or at least be safer. Um, some people have just said, look, get yourself some pepper spray and a stun gun because you're not physically able to do a lot of stuff and so your options are limited. It's not about a guilt trip about what you can and can't do. You know, like, oh, you need to practice and do this, that, and the other. No, no, no. It's about whatever makes you safer. 
And if this is what you can physically do, or this is what you have the time for, this is what you have the time for. Does it make you safer? Yes or no? Um, and same sense that these two things, you know, you will find there is a lot of training that is ultimately designed for things other than self-defense and that they don't quite fit quite well in those two categories. Uh, you know, restraining tactics, you know, like locks and holds, those are really cool to learn and they'll teach you a lot about the body, but they are not necessarily what I'd recommend most people to do in self-defense situations, even though they're often taught in self-defense courses. The reason they're taught in self-defense courses is because on paper, they are conceptually an ideal sort of thing. You restrain someone, they can't hurt you, so that's good, and they're not terribly injured themselves in the process, so that's good. So legally, you know, in the eyes of the law, this is a great thing to do, right? The problem is, is that some of these restraints leave you open to getting stabbed. Um, you know, it's a great position if the person did not have a knife. Uh, and you don't necessarily know if the person's going to pull out a knife on you. Second of all, they leave you very, uh, very uh, vulnerable to other people coming up and attacking you. Because you can't restrain someone and run away. You know, if you're restraining someone, you're, you're holding on to them. And even though you might be able to move them around some... You can't go at full speed and get away. So restraining is not ideal under these conditions. And most importantly, after you let someone go, they can still attack you. So the restraint is a very temporary measure. It is, in fact, just as temporary. You know, once you let go, it is effectively just as temporary as if you had stun and run them, except you didn't get distance or time. So restraints are good to learn, but they are not the primary focus. Actually, what I would do is anything you learn as a restraint almost always can also be a thing to do serious damage. You know, if it's a hold or a lock, you could tear tendons or you could break bones and, and break, uh, tear out joints. And frankly, that is what I would probably consider doing if I felt a situation was that bad. Someone's coming out with a, at me with a knife and I tear their joint out, you know, tear their shoulder out socket. Well, that arm is not going to attack me with a knife anymore. I'm safer and, well, you know, it's going to suck for them. No one's going to die over it. Um, you know, if someone is, you know, trying to, you know, attack me and their friends are trying to attack me and I end up, like, doing the, sort of the wrist lock but tearing out their tendons and that arm don't work, that's one less harm that's going to be attacking me with their friends coming after me. And that's important. So that's the way I look at holds. I don't look at the holds and restraints for the sake of restraint. I look at them for the sake of, you know, do the damage and get away. You know, do the damage and take on the next thing. Because I can't sit there and take the chance that more is coming. So those are your two categories. And think about them. You know, start with your stuff and stun and run. Those are taught in a lot of self-defense classes. And then think about serious damage and what scales of serious damage you're willing to do. And uh, what that might look like for you in terms of your safety and what you're capable of doing. And uh, these are all both below, you know, far below, like, what we consider lethal. You know, like, if you're going to do lethal, that's a whole third category. And uh, that's something... You know, you really have to think about when and where. And unfortunately in our society, it sure seems like people are determined to make that more common.
with all these like mass shootings and people who are just basically out here murdering folks. It's like, well, that is a serious consideration. Uh, but you'll understand that if you can do serious damage to someone, if you decide to do more, that's, that's always an option. Uh, other than that, it's about weapons and what weapons you're using and how, and, uh, you know, things to think about. But for the first part is what gets you safe? Can you stun and run them? Or if you can't, can you do serious damage and get out? And that's going to be under everything you're practicing. Uh, that's your blocks, that's your punches, that's your kicks, that's your tackles, your throws. Everything goes into one of those two categories. And uh, keep that in mind because there's going to be points when you realize I'm sitting here and I'm, you know, maybe it's like, well, I'm trying to punch this person or do this and this, and they're not, they're not stopping. Well, maybe you need to break something to make them stop because they're determined to come after you. Or, you know, the techniques you're learning may be all about doing serious damage, but honestly, this guy's just drunk. You just need to shove him over and get away and you're cool. So look at that, consider it all, put it into your training. And, you know, as always, folks, you can email me at yellowson at earthlink.net, Y-E-L-O-S-O-N, and try and be safe.